Okay, so what I'm about to ask you, if any of that applies to you, I want you to nod your head, okay? Have you ever been in a boring presentation? Have you ever been in a conversation where the other person just keeps going on and on and on? <laughs> Have you ever felt that what you're trying to say is greatly misunderstood by the other person? Have you ever sensed that the opposite person seems to be lost in their own conversation and thoughts? And for the last one, I want you to answer very honestly. Have you been that person in the situations we mentioned before? Well, if you answered yes to the last question, then we have little areas of improvement when it comes to effective communication. And I have just the right guest with us today. Today, I'm in conversation with Matt Abrahams. Matt is a professor at Stanford Graduate School of Business, and his videos are watched more than 22 million times. He has given multiple TED Talks, he has co-founded his company, he's an author of a book and his goal is to help as many people as possible to be effective communicators in their own domains and space. Now keep in mind, I have tried to probe Matt with difficult questions like how do we communicate well when we are disagreeing with someone or how do we communicate when emotional stakes are high and I'll tell you something, Matt has answered them brilliantly. Today, we'll be learning about how to be an effective communicator and a conversationalist. Mr. Matt Abrahams, it's such an honor to have you on the show today. Thank you so much. I'm excited for our conversation. Absolutely. So, so if I got this right, you are a communications coach yourself. You have done TED Talks and you also have talks on the GSP website of Stanford with more than 22 million views. And even TED Talk, I think millions of people have appreciated that. And uh, you also have co-founded your company, Bold Echo. That's right. That's right. All, all of this is targeted. The teaching I do, the coaching, the talks are all targeted to help people feel more comfortable and confident in their communication. Lovely, lovely. So if I just had to ask you more of a personal level, why do you think communication is so important? Oh, wow. That's, that's a huge question. <laughs> so, you know, it, it all boils down to relationships. I mean, mm -hmm. the way with that we relate to people in the world primarily is through communication, what we say, how we say it. So communication is critical to building trust, to collaborating, to accomplishing goals. And it's critical for us both in our professional lives and personal lives to make sure that we can communicate in a confident, clear way. Excellent, excellent. I love the way you have put that in. So uh, Matt, just to start us off, uh, I know one of the key areas that you're an expert as uh, at is how to be an effective communicator when we are talking, right? Uh, mainly in business context or even personal context. So if I have to ask you, uh, can you simply explain what it means for a communication to be effective? So the bottom line is the other person understands what you're trying to say in terms okay. <laughs> of the message is clear. We call that fidelity. It's there's high fidelity, but also the emotional intent is clear as well. So effectiveness really means that you as a speaker accomplished your goal. And to my mind, a goal has three parts. It's information, 
emotion and action. So when I'm communicating with you, I want to get some ideas and information across. I want to share my emotion. I want you to understand how I feel about it and how I'd like you to feel about it. And then often there's an action where I want you to do something about it. So it's really about what do I want you to know, feel, and do. And effective communication is communication that accomplishes that clearly and concisely. Lovely. Excellent. I love the uh, three ways you have broken that down. And so if I have to ask a counter question to it, so we know now that, okay, what makes a conversation effective? Uh, uh, probably now a counter to it would be what makes a conversation boring, like ineffective. So one is passing the message across, like, you know, what we have. And then uh, we want to make sure that my message passes across in a most proper way. But uh, there are times when message passes across, but through twists and turns and it makes the conversation boring. So what, what are some examples that you feel or you might have come across yourself where it makes a conversation extremely ineffective and boring? So in my world, we like to talk about engagement. How do you make a message engaging? So people are, are interested, feel part of it, are collaborating with you. And really it boils down to something very simple. It, it, the conversation has to be relevant. It has mm -hmm. to have meaning for the person you're speaking to, which means it's incumbent on us as the communicator to really think about what does the audience need in this situation? So what does the person, my boss, my colleague, my friend, my partner, what do they need in this situation? So it means we have to do some reconnaissance and reflection and research so that we can tailor our message to be significant and relevant to them. And if you do so, it by definition should be engaging and not boring. So it all boils down to really understanding what the person needs in that moment. Okay. And uh, now uh, one thing which you mentioned, what person needs in that moment, right? And that is something that um, I think we gauge while we are having a conversation, right? So I feel many people when they are speaking, uh, they go in this situation where they are not themselves aware of what thoughts they are keeping across to the opposite person. Okay, uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, I feel my my dad, he my my father, he is he is a great storyteller, but sometimes he deviates himself not coming to the point <laughs> and majority of the times i have to tell him that hey let's get back on the point let's get back on the point so uh this has happened and when he told me is that what happens is in his mind the thoughts are extremely clear like he knows exactly what is happening in his mind but when they are coming out it somehow become mashed potatoes somewhere <laughs> it's not just your father uh it, it, you know i i in my mind i'm amazingly eloquent and sometimes when i speak i'm not as as lucky and it really boils down to two things first uh -huh. and foremost uh, my mother you're talking about your father <laughs> about my mother uh, my mother has this saying i know she did not create it but she certainly uh, says it a lot and and i really believe it's true it's tell me the time, don't build me the clock. Oh, lovely. Many people are clock builders. They say too much. They get into too much detail. They go into tangents. Mm. If you want to be engaging, if you want to be relevant, you have to be concise and clear. Mm. So the first thing is to really think about how can I get my point across in the clearest way possible? Mm. 
But in order to do that, in where your father could use, uh, could benefit, and most people could, is to leverage structure. Structure gives you a beginning and an ending. It, it, it is a natural, logical flow of information. Think of it as a map or GPS. It mm. helps you get from one place to the other in the most efficient way. Sure. So having a structure in mind can really help people like your father. Let me give you an example, if it's okay, of what a good structure is. Is that all right? Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. My favorite structure in the entire world is very simple. It is the what, so what, now what structure. And here's how this works. When you're speaking, you talk about what it is you want to say. Next, you talk about why it is important and relevant to the person you're talking to. And then finally, you Talk about what comes next. Maybe it's the next meeting. Maybe it's a, a demonstration or, or a Q&A. But it's what, so what, now what? Most of the things that we communicate can be put into this structure. And by doing so, it makes it clear and relevant to your audience. So I encourage all of you, okay. as you think about crafting your messages, to structure it that way. And I have to share my answer to your question was in that structure. I told you what the structure is why it was important, and I encouraged you to use it. So what, so what, now what is a great tool for helping your father and helping other people who have an idea of what they want to say, but it's how you package it to help your audience understand. Brilliant. So I think now uh, I feel this structure or the tool that I would like to almost say secret sauce that you've given, <laughs> it, it can easily be applied to probably any conversation that we have. Is that right? Certainly. And in fact, you can even use this structure to initiate conversations. Many people come to me and say, I am so bad at small talk when I have to meet people I don't know. How do I do that? Use what, so what, now what? Go ask them a question. What brings mm -hmm. you here? What's your favorite sports team? What do you think of the meal? So you ask what? And then when they answer, the next question is, so why is that important? So if somebody says, my favorite sports team is the, the Golden State Warriors. That's, yeah. that's my favorite team. Then you say, why? What, what connection do you have to the team? And then, and then they answer. And then you can say, so are you watching the upcoming game? What do you think of their season? So by using what, so what, now what, not only does it help you package your messages, hmm. but it can actually help you have conversations. I'm definitely going to be implementing this. <laughs> so what, so what, now what? That is a tool, that is a structure. Use this structure for any conversation that you initiate. Lovely. Um, now, another aspect I feel that for having an emetic, uh, so communication probably consists of two things in my mind. One is the verbal, right? And another is body language. Uh, how, like, you know, the gestures or what is, whatever we do. Uh, to I wanted to know your opinion. I know you have been an expert in this area. How much does body language play a role? To what extent does it play a role? So there's some research that suggests that nonverbal communication, that's using your body and your voice, actually matters more than the words you say. Wow. I always argue you have to focus on what you say and how you say it with equal intensity and equal practice. But it mm -hmm. is very important. Many of us fixate too much on what we're saying and we don't spend any time practicing saying it or thinking about how it, it comes across. So we actually have to do both. Excellent, excellent. So um, now I think when we are communicating with someone, uh, say I want to bring up a situation. Uh, I We usually are in our offices and we do presentations, right? Um, and during presentations, I have myself been in a situation where as I've seen other people be in the situation where 
there are two things that hinder their presentation. One is self-doubt. Um, they feel that, oh, this is not right. Uh, they won't be able to pull it off. And other is in a similar domain, confidence. Uh, uh, and confidence is evident because it can be seen through body language, like we can see. So I wanted to understand and probably find out from you, say someone is in situation where they are having this lack of confidence and self-doubt. How can one overcome that when they are communicating? Sure. And what you've just described is true for most people. In fact, research suggests 85% of people feel anxiety in high stakes communication situations. Wow. And quite frankly, I think the other 15% are lying. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's something that, that most of us experience. And to my mind, it's not about overcoming. I actually think there will always be situations that can make us nervous. And in fact, being a little nervous can be helpful to you. It gives you energy. It helps you focus. So to my mind, it's all about managing the anxiety. Use mm -hmm. it to help you rather than to work against you. So we need to learn to manage our anxiety so it doesn't manage us. And I've spent a lot of my career, decades, looking at this, studying it, and, and working to help people. In fact, I've written a book on the subject. It all starts with taking a two-pronged approach. You have to manage the symptoms, that's mm -hmm. what you feel and other people see, and the sources, the things that actually initiate the anxiety. So if you take a two-pronged approach and you work on it, over time, you will feel more confident and come across as more confident, but it is certainly not a light switch. It's not like, oh, I yeah. do this one thing and I am an amazingly confident communicator. It takes time, but you can do it. Okay, lovely. So uh, as I like the two things that you said in there, that one is the source. Let's understand the source and probably acknowledge it that it's okay that you're feeling that. And secondly, work on the symptoms. Can you elaborate more on the symptoms part? Um, how can one, uh, work on their symptoms in general? In fact, let me talk about both. Uh, okay. So let's go with sources. There are lots of reasons people feel nervous. Uh, I'll give you two examples. Yeah. One is being judged. You are being judged and evaluated, and that can make us very nervous. So mm -hmm. what do you do about it? Well, one of the best things to do, uh, many people have done in other avenues of their lives. They, they've done something called visualization. If you are mm -hmm. an athlete or a musician, you have had a coach or a teacher who has said, see yourself doing this event prior to actually doing it. And there's research that says performance is enhanced and anxiety is reduced. Wow. The same thing is true with public speaking. If you visualize yourself, see yourself being successful in it, you actually can feel more confident and comfortable. In fact, research into this started in the late 1980s and it's one of the longest studied techniques. And the cool thing, and I know you're a high-tech guy, you don't just have to do it in your mind's eye. There are actually apps that can help you. There's a virtual reality tool. You get goggles, you load the app on your phone, you put the goggles on and you can see an audience and you oh, can wow. practice in front of that audience. So in both cases, you mentally visualizing, you're using the app. What you're doing is you're desensitizing yourself. Mm. And by desensitizing yourself, you, are you will feel less nervous and worried when you're being evaluated. The example I always use, my... Older son just got his driver's license. Okay. We were out on the road practicing for hours. Why? So that when the instructor got in the car to evaluate him, he had done it before. So he was less nervous. And the same mm. thing is true. So a source of anxiety is being evaluated. Mm. Another source is being nervous about the future. Many of us get nervous because we're afraid of what might happen. 
I'm afraid that I might not get the funding. I'm afraid my students at Stanford are afraid they're not going to get a good grade. The entrepreneurs I coach are afraid they're not going to get support. Hmm. All of those are future-oriented goals that make you nervous. And the best way to short-circuit that is to become present-oriented. By definition, if I'm in the moment, I'm not worried about the future. And at some point, we can talk about ways to get present-oriented. Yeah. So those are sources of anxiety. Symptoms are things like getting nervous and shaking, having perspiration on your, mm -hmm. your brow, uh, talking too fast. All of these are things we can learn to manage. So for example, if you talk too fast, taking a deep breath and gesturing slowly will slow down your speaking rate. Okay. If you perspire and blush, like many people do, you need to reduce your core body temperature. Holding something cold in the palm of your hand will actually cool you down. You will sweat less and blush less. So I know I spoke for a long time. Sorry, I am a professor. I like to lecture a little bit, but there are things you can do to manage both symptoms and sources that'll help you feel better. No, this is extremely valuable. I mean, this information, uh, I, I would want to listen to you more, <laughs> but uh, I, I, would, I would say that um, if I have to extract some key element from that, what you just told is, it is important to manage both of them, right? It is important to practice, uh, keep doing it again and again till that fear goes out and somewhere fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and in fact, there is something to that fake it till you make it. And it, it's, a, it's actually a, a really simple equation. If I act confident, you will treat me confidently and I will That's then true. begin to feel more confident. So if I know that when I get nervous, I pace around a lot or I move my head a lot, Hmm. I can work and practice to do less pacing, to move my head less. And when you see me moving my head less, you'll say, wow, he's pretty confident. And based on your response to me, I'll feel better. So that's where practice comes in. That's where digitally recording yourself and watching to see what it's like. That's incredibly painful. Hmm. But when you see what others see, it helps you become comfortable at presenting. Beautiful, beautiful. Very well said. And uh, I think everyone should do it. Like, you know, they have their cameras, they have their phones, just, just start recording and start doing it. Uh, lovely, lovely, Matt. So uh, now um, one thing, so one area that we talk about is, of course, communicating, having conversations, um, talking our points across, right? Uh, I feel there is another important element which I can definitely improve on. And that is handling disagreements, right? Uh, so many a times you're with your colleagues or partners, whoever, like, you know, your best friend, and there are disagreements that you come across every day. I mean, not everybody agrees with you all the time. What's wrong? <laughs> I'm joking. Of what course, very you? common problem. Very common. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think what I want to learn from you and understand is that how can one um, navigate disagreements more gracefully uh, when we are communicating? Well, I could say a lot about this. And in fact, uh, I have a podcast. I do a podcast for Stanford's business school called okay. Think Fast, Talk Smart. And I just interviewed a professor who is an expert in conflict resolution. Okay. And there's a lot to be said about this. Let me make it, uh, um, let yeah, me, yeah. Let me make it as, as direct as I can. Yeah. In a conflict where there's disagreement, the goal is to problem solve and negotiate rather than to prove yourself right versus the other person being right. And many of us go into conflict wanting us to be right. Hey, 
if you saw the world the way I did, you would totally agree with me. Mm -hmm. And that leads to maladaptive behavior. That mm -hmm. leads to making the argument, making the conflict worse. Rather, your challenge is to try to invite the other person to negotiate and problem solve with you. And if you have that as your approach, it will change the interaction. It makes it more collaborative. It tones down some of the venom or anger or negative emotion, and it brings you together. And what it requires first and foremost is that you listen. Mm. In order to negotiate, in order to problem solve, you have to understand the other person's perspective. So my advice is this, change your approach. It's not yeah. about being right, it's about problem solving. Second, listen to understand the other person's point of view. It doesn't mean you agree. Yeah. It just means you understand. Mm -hmm. And then from there, invite the other person to negotiate, to problem solve. So together, you've come up with a resolution that works for you and works for them. Brilliant. Brilliant. Can I probe a little bit more on what you sure. just said? Bring uh, it. So I know you mentioned, so, so this is, I think, first, of, first and foremost, we need to focus on the problem than the person. I think that needs to be out of the way. And I truly, truly, truly agree, yes. agree yes. with that. Um, one thing which I really wanted to get a little bit more deeper is um, that when disagreements happen and majority of the times emotion kicks in, right? Uh, and emotional stakes are high. Either pe people are in somewhat angry or emotional sensitive, sensitive to things that other person is saying right uh so how how does how can one be graceful and even maintain that composure uh when communicating and making sure we are our point is put across effectively in that emotional state what would you say so emotion is really hard and tricky in these situations because emotion is important and emotion and how you feel is definitely important. So I would never say don't have those emotions. Okay, don't ignore emotion. We use them. We just have to use them constructively. So first and foremost, if this is something that is very upsetting to you, mm. try to take the time to, to manage that emotion before you bring it to the conversation. So mm. that might be talking to other friends, going for a walk, finding a punching bag, <laughs> whatever it takes, but, but to give yourself some time to experience the emotion, but gets a little distance from it. Now that doesn't mean when you're actually in the conversation and trying to collaborate to find a solution to this, that you don't share, hey, this is very upsetting to me. But when we express emotion, we wanna make sure we express emotion from our perspective. True. We use I language. I am very upset by this hmm. versus you language, which is accusatory. Because if you think about it, if the whole goal is to invite somebody to collaborate and problem solve, you don't want them defensive. True. So you need to take the time to manage your, your, your emotion and then bring a, a much more managed emotion to the conversation. It's hard. I wish it, it's easy to say it's hard to do, yeah, yeah. Uh, but sometimes taking a little time, sometimes invoking support of somebody else can be really helpful. Wonderful. And I like how both your answers somehow connected that first of all, um, be aware of what you're going to say. When, when I asked you previously of the conflict resolution, uh, focus on the problem. And somehow if you are at an emotional stake distant, Distance yourself and then come back and again focus on the problem. No, I, use I versus using the you language. Excellent, excellent. Very, very well said, Matt. Uh, now, I also wanted to talk about your book that you have written. 
and i also wanted to talk about the company that you have so can you tell us something about uh, your book uh, speaking up without freaking out and also uh, what is uh, your company about yeah so uh, so the book was written uh, over a decade ago uh, it's now in its third edition and ultimately the book is about helping people feel more comfortable and confident when they communicate it's called speaking up without freaking out yeah. and it provides uh, over 50 techniques from academic research to help people feel more comfortable and confident and to be more clear and concise when they communicate. Not every technique is for every person. Everybody mm. is different, but it is my hope that people can extract 3 to 5 techniques that will work for them. It's a it's a pocket book. It's not very thick. The idea is that you could read it in an afternoon, mm. uh, a, a couple days before you have a big presentation or a big meeting and, and get value from it. Okay. And the the company Bold Echo is I co-founded uh with a business partner and she and I uh, both come from an academic background but both also have a business background and we help companies all over the world big and small individuals uh from from senior leadership all the way to individual contributors again feel more comfortable and confident and be more clear and concise in their communication and we named the company very aptly we want yeah. people messages to be bold and we want them to echo long after they've left the room or the call so uh, both of those are are avenues that people can can pursue to to build their their communication skills lovely that's a very bold name also <laughs> bold echo and we'll also list down the uh the book and the company in the video description so that people can easily refer to it now uh um more of a personal question here um is there any communicator or a personality or a leader that you look up to when it comes to effective communication there are so many that i really respect but i want to share one with you because i think her message is phenomenal and uh i just was so moved by her her name is brit britney packnet She has a TED talk. Yes, she has a TED talk on confidence. And as we've already discussed, confidence is something that's very important to me. Yeah. And I am so amazed not only that she delivers her message very confidently, but she does so using wonderful communication tools of storytelling, weaving in important information, delivering it in a very authentic and passionate way. I encourage anybody listening to this to check out Brittany Packnett's talk. uh i really really see her as somebody who's doing a great job demonstrating many of the techniques that i teach and i coach wow lovely we'll definitely put the ted talk video of of britney too uh for the for more and more viewers to check it out so uh matt now coming to the last segment of the show <laughs> this show is called it's not that complicated and the whole idea is that we take uh such complex broad topics out there and make it simple for people to understand and our viewers to understand right so uh, to wrap up if i have to ask you what are some three ctas some three call to actions that you would recommend that people can start doing today to be more of an effective leader and a conversationalist what would you say first and foremost before you have any communication really think about what does your audience need be in mm. service of your audience too often we start by saying here is what i want to say mm. rather it's what does my audience need to hear that's the first thing second once you understand your audience you have to think about what is it i'm trying to get across what's my goal and we talked about that earlier mm-hmm. what do i want them to know how do i want them to feel and what do i want them to do and then third getting back to your father's situation invoke structure 
Think about a structure that you can use to help get your information across. There are many, many structures. As I shared, my favorite is what, so what, now what? But if you start today with the emails you write, the conversations you have with your family, your kids, your partner, your business associates, if you think about their needs, who they are, their audi the audience, what is your goal specific for this interaction? And then how do I structure my information? Your communication will be clearer, it will be more concise, and people will see you as more confident. Brilliant, brilliant. Those are some wonderful CTAs that I think anyone can implement today. Uh, Matt, again, it was such an honor talking to you today, and it was such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much. I loved our chat, and I appreciate the work that you're doing. Thank you so much. Okay, so what I'm about to ask you, if that applies to you, I want you to nod your head, okay? Have you subscribed to the channel yet? Well, if you nodded yes, then thank you, you're awesome. And if you haven't, well, you can just do that right now. Right here, subscribe.